is the Benz Bunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Happy sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy yo Hard time scrolling for your long truths You might learn something you never know Could let you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind for me straws for every pussy clot body yeah haha hello welcome to another episode of sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what what that's right suck your mum I'm Kalechi and I'm just a baby girl. I'm just a baby girl. I'm a sick baby girl. Gosh. I don't like making the recording the podcast and feeling ill, and I feel like I've just been feeling run down like forever like for the past few weeks, but it's because my kind of running down always starts like in my mind and then it affects my body. But yeah, I'm not feeling well today at all. I've got a really bad throat and my head is really foggy. Um, but it's because I've been doing bits and I've been doing bobs, but I must learn the lesson that if I continue to do everything, everything will eventually do me. And there needs to be like balance. And I'm actually... You know, I'm always telling you that the cards drag me. I feel like the cards dragged me a lot. In a loving way. They always drag me in a loving way. But um, yeah, I'm feeling so, so run down. So the week started off wildly because obviously um, bits were happening with Serena Williams. So I was on BBC Breakfast speaking about the Serena Williams uh, caricature, that cartoon that was drawn of her and how annoying it was and how ridiculous it is. Um, and so I ended up going on to BBC breakfast, uh, big up, uh, culture and my friend Daps and Danielle Dash that they recommended that I do it. Um, and it's really nice when we all just like suggest each other and put each other onto things and stuff. And I wore my t-shirt that said, why be racist, sexist, transphobic or homophobic when you could just be quiet. I managed to sneak it in and get it on the BBC breakfast. Cause I thought this t-shirt will speak volumes. It did so well, it got its own article because obviously everyone was like, where do I get that t-shirt? I didn't even know so many people watch BBC Breakfast because I don't watch um, TV like that. So I didn't even know, but wow, like it got such a great response because that news reporter, Nagar, whatever her name is, I don't know why she wanted to be Satan's handmaiden, why she wanted to be an enemy of progress, but she just highlighted the issues with the term women of colour or people of colour when instead of just black people. Because when we come into this whole people of colour solidarity bullshit, there's rarely solidarity because... People like her, women like her, try to throw you under the bus, throw black women under the bus when they feel like they want to suck up to whiteness. So it was just a bit mad. But um, I enjoyed I enjoyed being on there, enjoyed saying my piece. Um, that meant that on Tuesday I was teaching, I finished teaching, and then I had to run off and catch a train to Manchester at 11. I got to Manchester around 2, was up at 5 
8.30 to get ready to record at the BBC studios. Um, finished there. And LBC obviously saw it. And they were like, oh, we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, can we get you on the phone? And I ended up speaking with Nick Ferrari. But I had to tell this guy about his entire pussy, dickhead. Because he's on there going, oh, but... He's speaking to another white guy before I come on air and he's like, oh, but I don't see why it's racist. Serena Williams does have big lips. And I was thinking, but it's not about the big lips. It's the fact that she's been drawn like, as an ape. Like she's been drawn in a way that's not her. She's been drawn in a beastly fashion. So much so that for us to get the point, Naomi Osaka has been whitewashed in the same, very same cartoon to highlight this point of her blackness and how um, disdainful her blackness is. But you don't understand, white man. So when I came on air, I was just like, it's interesting to me that two white men are debating whether something is racist or not. Like, how would you know when it doesn't affect you? So, well, that's why we've got you on. So you can say, shut up. Shut up, you dickhead. Nick Ferrari, my back foot. More like Nick 2001 Fiat Punto, you prick. Dickhead. But I told him about himself. And then I was saying like, at the end of the day, Serena Williams is the greatest sports person living and you can argue with your mum's entire pussy if you if you feel differently. I don't give a shit. Um, I didn't say that bit. And then he was just like, um, I said, you know, arguably so. And he goes, Serena Williams, greatest sports person living. What about Mo Farah? I was thinking, are you a fucking idiot? Mo Farah of all people is the one you drew for. Was that the first black person that came to your head, you fucking idiot? Mo Farah would even run 10 miles in like, I don't know, 20 seconds to come slap your face for suggesting such, you fool. Oh, white men like Nick, Nick Ferrari are disgusting. Like they're so disgusting because they're willfully ignorant. Like they make money from being ignorant. But as we've seen with Katie Hopkins, because baby girl, she's not even a baby girl. She's a, she's a hawk. She looks like a hawk prick. She's now filed for bankruptcy. And I think that that's interesting. And that's what will continue to happen to you workers of iniquity. Like you will have no financial stability. You will have no life stability because all you want to do is put out negativity into the air. And that negativity is going to come I'm right up your asshole and fuck you. And that's what's happening to Casey Hopkins. And that's what's going to happen to someone like Nick Ferrari because your your Nick Ferrari, Pierce, um, Pierce Morgan, all of these men, you get pleasure from riling up black people and from for pretending like you don't see what the issue is when I'm sure that you do and you're just doing it for the coins, but the coins will eventually stop in Jesus' name. So I did LBC, then I got back to London and I went to Channel 5 um, and that was really, really cool. I liked um, speaking with Minnie, like she's she's really cool um, and speaking about the same issue of what happened to Serena and, and they really focused on my top at Channel 5. Um, so I, I just had to do bits all of that Wednesday, I think it was. I, ju- I did lots of bits um and then Thursday I was back teaching and doing more stuff then um I think it was Friday then Friday I flew out to Berlin but before going to Berlin I went to Woolworth Academy to do stuff um the one extra um inspire me tour I'm just so glad to be doing all of these bits with like different broadcasters and stuff but the one one extra inspire me tour it's nice because you go into secondary schools and you just talk about how you've gotten to where you are so far and so Twin B was the one that was hosting that one and it was me Big Tobes and a girl called Carly or lady woman sorry called Carly Cussons who's made all like the um, most famous like like grime UK hip hop videos and stuff. So we were on the panel and it was cool to be at Woolworth Academy, like talking to them. My brother went there, my immediate younger brother, he went to that school. Um, Yeah, it was nice, man. It was so nice to like have the reaction and the response from um, the students. Um, 
and I I just enjoy things like that. It feels like giving back it. I never want to I don't want to say I never want to move out of ends because I feel like eventually I want to move out of ends, but I definitely don't want to forget my ends, like my bits. Like Peckham is my heart, my absolute heart. So I will always find a way to be part of it and give to it in some way. So it was nice to be invited to Woolworth Academy to do that. And then I think this week I'm going to go to Harris Academy in Peckham as well. So, I mean, if you're a teacher, you want me to come by your school, holler at man, innit? Let me come through, speak to the kids them and tell them inappropriate things. Uh No, I'll be good. Um, so yeah, so I did that at Wolf Academy and I had to head straight to Liverpool Street Station to get my train at, um, get my train to go to Stansted Airport to go to Berlin with the heat wave. If you don't know, I obviously love the heat wave. Ben and Gabriel are, I love them so much. Like on this show, I'm always talking about white people that move mad. And I'm so blessed to know two white guys that are just so respectful. And yeah, you know, people could be like, oh, cultural appropriation because they're playing dance or music. But you've never met guys like them. Like they are on it and they they strive to be sensitive um, to what they're doing and they really recognize their privilege. And it was just nice of them to be like, boom, we're going to Berlin. We've got this um, booking. Um, the promoter says we can bring dancers. Do you want to come along? And I didn't get to do like one of their big shows because I was um, pregnant at the time. So it was just nice to be able to do this with them. And it, it was a great experience. But we were there for literally hours. We landed at like, well, no, we landed late. We landed at like 11 something. And then we were, uh, the set was at 2 Um we did our bits, finished around four, and then our flight to leave Berlin. We had to get the car to get to go and catch our flight for like 8 a.m. So was back in London soon after that. So I'm just exhausted. I feel like I'm working on a few hours of sleep. So sorry if this sounds really like, because her baby girl is tired. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so tired. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 been wonderful doing all of these things. And I'll be, if you're, you know, when you listen to this, this weekend, I'll be at Lush. Um, I'll be with Lush in Manchester on the 23rd of, no, is it 23rd? Yeah, 23rd of September. I'll be with Lush. That's Sunday, 23rd of September. I'll be um, at the Lush Showcase in Manchester. I'll be in Manchester. Yeah, I'll be there at the Lush show, uh, Showcase, speaking about beauty, um, beauty ideals and black women. Well, just women, beauty ideals and women. Um, and it's a nice, it's a big deal for Lush to be like, yeah, come through my G. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm just bit. I just want to rest before that day because I don't want to go into it just tired and looking mad. Um, but I'm ever grateful for all of the things that are happening. Ever grateful. And then the BET Black Girls Rock thing came out. Like, I just feel like I'm just here going, and this, and then, and then. But it's so nice, like, because you know, like, you're working on things and people can't see it. Like, it's not out, so people don't know. And then everything comes out in one massive go. So I just feel like I've got to mention everything. And I feel like even then, saying that, I bet there's shit that I've forgotten. And then later on, I'll be like, oh, my God. 
I didn't remember to say that. But um, also I wrote a piece for the Metro. I'm going to put a link in, in the captions of this podcast if you want to read it. It was basically about um, Chikazea Flanders, um, who he, a Fulham boys school told him that he had to cut his dreads, like he had to cut his locks because um, they didn't think it was tidy and it didn't meet... Um, it didn't meet the school's uniform policy and his mum Tuesday Flanders she basically won in the court that you can't tell my son what to do you little bitches so he gets to keep his locks but I just feel like I wouldn't want to stay at the school after that after all that madness I would not want to stay at a school like that but I wrote a piece for the metro um just talking about the fact that people the over policing of black hair is another symptom of just us being over like policing our existence that's what's happening people feel like they they haven't um they're entitled to access to us like and they can do what they want when they can't like no you cannot so I wrote that piece and I'm really, really proud of it. I think I'll be writing another one by the time if you're listening to this first thing in the morning on a Monday, I'd have written another one probably for the independent. Even yeah, I would have probably written another one for the independent about Cynthia Arivo and everything that's happening with her, but we're gonna talk about that later on in the podcast. But um yeah, and if you haven't seen the trailer yet, the trailer's on my page for the new show that I'm doing with Jamelia Richard Blackwood and Jason Barrett called For the Culture. So it's like a magazine type show, lifestyle show where we just talk about all of the things and Straw of the Week now has a home there as well. So Straw of the Week has two homes, like it has broken up parents here and on their show. So on the show, I'll be giving a straw of the week out to someone, but I won't ever say suck your mum, obviously, because branding and all of that for them. But um, yeah, it'll be called straw of the week. So a baby girl has been doing bits and that's why I'm so exhausted. God. But I hope you are all well. And I'm really thinking of you all, like just the energy. That's the, I feel like that's the thing that's been on my mind lately, I've just been thinking about all of you and your energy and just praying for you all. Anyone that listens to this podcast, loves this podcast, just praying for you all because I know that shit is really, really real at the moment. And that's what I'm pick, really picking up from the cards. Like bare people are tired, like we're exhausted, but just know that you are so, so loved and yeah, just keep going, man. Keep going because the world wouldn't be the same without you. No matter how hard things are right now, the world will not be the same without a baby girl or baby boy or baby non-binary like you. You are necessary and you are so, so loved. And if no one's told you today, you're a rascal, G. You're a bad up in these streets and you should continue to slay like your slay is necessary. Ray. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's get into then. Um, get into it then. Let's go to the tarot. Let's start with the tarot. And basically, the tarot is an extension of what I just said. It's what I just said. Yeah. Um, the black angel card that I pulled this week was the sun daughter. So we see a black figure um wearing green um with the sun, different like numerous suns all around their head. Very beautiful, very fine, fine, fine picture. Um, the Sun Daughter. So let's read what the book has to say about the Sun Daughter. So the Sun Daughter, you are glowing with your love. On the waking path, you are radiance. Sleeping path, your buried love. Sun Daughter, if you had not come into being, the world would have never truly experienced unconditional love. On your waking path, you love and are loved no matter what. 
People are envious because you receive and give love so easily and abundantly. Your natural warmth and companionship are so genuine, people can hardly ignore you. You are youthful, but by no means young. You know too much to be young. You are everyone's favorite daughter. If you were homeless, it wouldn't, not, it wouldn't last long because someone would be attracted to your radiance and would take you in. You show people how to give love without expectation and such action is often imitated. Your waking path is glowing with sunlight. On the sleeping path though, son daughter, you are abused by others who take your love for granted. Since you do not expect anything in return, those who do not give will find you ripe for the taking. This has caused much turmoil in your life. You develop relationships easily, but soon you find yourself on a one-way street. People are crazy about you, but you are not always crazy about them. You wonder, how in the world did I let this person into my life? Remember, son, daughter, Unconditional love does not equal love under any condition. Scrrr, pull up. I'm going to say that one again. Remember, son, daughter, unconditional love does not equal love under any condition. You cannot feel love under any condition. If someone is abusing you, it is not love. It is pain. If the love is being controlled and directed, it is not unconditional. Unconditional love can only be felt between those who can be vulnerable, unveiled, imperfect and undefensive in their loving. Those are not conditions. They are qualities that support love. With those qualities, love can be unlimited. The son daughter's open and warm energy can feel exposing and unprotected in a world where we feel strength is our greatest asset. As a result, our son daughter energy is rarely seen openly in those who have experienced oppression oppression, not depression, oppression, violence, war, or any trauma. We do not walk well in the world feeling unprotected. Instead, we bury this unlimited love deep inside us. In this way, we can avoid the disappointments we had as small children when our love was not returned. We become soul sleepers when we bury, bury our, love, um, our loving nature. A buried love brings lots of misery. So sharpen your ability to detect people seeking love they can control. Again, I'll repeat that. A buried love brings lots of misery. So sharpen your ability to detect people seeking love that they can control. There is no need to let the ones, who, um, the ones you love rule your life. Your care and warmth are only true when they come from a natural desire to give such. Listen to your heart and trust that when the pain or trouble shows up in the relationship, it is time to pay attention. Son daughters are to be cherished. That feels like so apt and like a massive statement for everyone out there. Unconditional love does not mean love under any condition. We're out here getting into relationships with people because we want to be in a relationship. And I'm careful about saying you, 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 because it's not about chastising people. It's about finding a unified way of talking about this thing. We go out there entering relationships with people because we want to be in a relationship. But it's that choosing from a place of scarcity that then means that you, you then end up losing even more, losing even more. If you operate and choose from a place of abundance, like, 
I'm really sick out in these streets. I'm loving, I'm caring, and I just want to share that with whomever I interact with. And I'll always wear myself as openly as possible. If you do all of those things, then you attract eventually the kind of people that will appreciate that. But I can't say that there are many of them because of the society that we live in. I guess it's really, really hard to come by that. But Naira Wahid has a poem that she says, if you show someone the sun in your bones and they reject you, that's the very same way in which they reject themselves. So I think if you're truly open with someone in a relationship and you're giving and they don't um, don't reciprocate and they turn away and things like that, they were never deserving of it because they haven't even figured out how they would... um, accept themselves and love themselves so that your love is just meaningless to them. There's no need. You have enough love to love yourself. Obviously, our existence is about interaction and things like that. But what's the point of fucking interacting if it's just going to like break you down? We have all of the love we need to sustain ourselves. The, the, the other love that people bring in Well that just mixes and melds With the love that we have for ourselves And then we just We flourish from there That's what we should be aiming for And also Staying in relationships There's no point staying in a relationship That is draining you of, the, of love There's no point Because When your love is buried Buried under the The higgy And the rubbish of the relationships and the toxicity of the relationships All that you have is misery Take your love where it will be celebrated That's what we need to do Take our love where it will be celebrated That's what's important And it's funny because the card came up The son daughter card came up And I was just like, rah I pulled out the um, Rider weight deck And the first card that came up Like the live show Was the Ten of Swords And you already know the Ten of Swords, there's a figure lying face down in the dirt and there are Ten Swords in the back of this figure. Now, this card has come up quite a few times during this podcast and I'm always careful as well. Um, Because when I pull a card like this at a time when I'm feeling ill and a bit exhausted, I'm always careful because I'm just like, is it my energy or, you know, because obviously this will always be part of my energy because I'm the one pulling the cards in it. But um. I always try and just um, decipher whether it's my energy coming through strongly or whether this is actually a message for us collectively because I'm always trying to pick cards that resonate with us collectively. So I just thought, ah, maybe it's not this one. And then I thought, let me pull another card to support it. And then the Temperance card came out, which is a major arcana card. The Temperance card came out and we see a figure, an angel that's pouring from two cups pouring from one cup into the other cup and it has a foot on the land and it has a foot in the water, in the river. And I just think that this is interesting because whenever the temperance card comes up, I always read it as um, divine intervention. Like this is divine intervention. So when I wasn't sure whether the 10 of swords, um, when I wasn't sure whether the 10 of swords was a message for us all, this card came up to kind of be like, no, 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 it is for us all. Like it is, it is for us all. Like that's, I was being told like by spirit guides, I guess to say like, no, this, this is a message because more people need it than you know. And all I take from that is exhaustion. Like, the ten of car, uh, ten of swords is just outright exhaustion. Like just tired from all of the things, from all of the absolute things. 
And I feel like the temperance card came up because it's a reminder that there is a structure to all things. Like you see a triangle on the chest of the angel, um, you know, that trinity, that unity, that, that that's what it's there for. And I think it's just reminding us that there's a structure to all things and we are divinely supported. So running ourselves into the ground isn't going to serve anybody. It's not even going to serve us. And I say that because at the bottom of the deck, there is the two of cups. That was the card at the bottom of the deck that I'm going to dis uh, discuss more in um, the extra content for my Patreon um, patrons. But you're tired. You're tired. And that's understandable. We are tired. I'm exhausted. I'm ill. And this card, I feel like with the temperance card coming up with it as well, I just think that it's a reminder that our ancestors, God, our angels want to help. They want to help, but it's like we're insisting on carrying everything by ourselves and we just don't want to give it over to God. There is only so much you can do as a physical being on this plane. There is only so much you can do. Like you're made of, you're a, you're a divine force. You're a divine spirit living in the meat sack, yeah? And there's only so much you're going to get out of that meat sack. So that means that therefore you have to remind yourself of what you ultimately are, which is a spiritual divine being and tap into that and use that to help yourself. Like lots of synchronicity has been happening this week. I keep seeing one, 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 11, 11. That would be the time when I look up something. 11, 11, it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. When I look at the messages I've got, 11, 11, when I look at my Instagram followers, 11.1, like the, that number keeps coming up. So I looked it up as an angel number and I might've mentioned this before. And it was just speaking about the fact that because of the way that I'm thinking, I've, I've been working so much on like really honing my spirituality and growing within my spirituality that that means that well, the things that I'm thinking are literally manifesting. And I think that that's why everything's happening at such a breakneck speed. And that's important to realize the power of thought because the things that you're thinking positive and negative will manifest. So I think that every time I saw that number, that was a reminder from the spiritual realm that I need to be aware of what I'm thinking in that particular moment. Like what am I, what am I actually manifesting for myself? So I started to take advantage of it. And I was just like, you know, the studio's doing well. I just pray that God guides me and, um, you know, my angels support me in bringing in that fine, you know, different areas of financial abundance to kind of sustain the studio and what I'm doing. And out of nowhere everyone's like oh do, do you want money for this we'll pay you for this can you write this we'll give you money can you do this we'll give you money and I just thought yeah obviously I need to work for it no one's just coming out of the blue and going well hey here's a billion trillion pounds no I'm having to work for it but it's the fact that the opportunities are just coming like pat 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 in order for me to be able to work to get that money that I've asked for so this is a time to be very, very aware, as exhausted as we are, is to be aware that there are guides, there are angels 
literally waiting to help. They're waiting to help, but you're insisting on carrying all of the things yourself. And they're just like, fam, this is our job. Like God has literally put us here to support you and you're not letting us do our job because you're trying to do it all. But if you just give it over to us, we can handle it. Like just delegate things, like delegate things to your spiritual guides. Say it out loud. You might feel a bit like a dickhead at first. Like, oh my God, I'm talking to thin air, but you're not. Say it, speak it forth what you want them to help you do. And let them get get on with it Be very specific And don't say mad things like Oh, I want £5,000 now No, but just think about the things That you're needing assistance with And let them go forth and assist you with that Like that is what we should be doing And tuning more into those kind of um, energies basically So um, that's that And if you want to If you're exhausted and you want a way to relax Ibile Botanica is a sponsor of this podcast That segue was nuts Um, Ibile Botanica supports this podcast And um, Botulu Oblongata um, The herbal queen Has lots of things like teas and juices And things that will help you So you can head on to ibilebotanica.co.uk And get yourself some bits With the code Say Your Mind I think you get, what is it, 15% off Of all the products And it's unlimited Like how many times you can use that discount code So go and live your best life Get yourself some teas and things to help you relax And moving on So my magnificence for this week Let me start with a letter that I got from, let me see who this is from, from Kapungwe. And it says, hello, Kelechi. I just want to say thank you and two slaps on your chest, especially after watching your BBC interview regarding Serena. I remember meeting you at a tribe event in London and then a while later in Manchester because you did a twerk class, which was amazing. Thank you. And the walls had a sign saying refugees welcome I remember that day I was twerking on one hand um, Upside down Um, Lord behold You had Instagram And then started your podcast Which I love And cannot believe it's coming to an end I'm sorry My email goes out to every black woman Who has been depicted as angry, sassy, bossy Especially in the workplace I'm a senior therapy um, person at a hospital Um, I'm a senior therapy radiographer in an NHS hospital Um, I can only imagine the frustration Serena must have felt When she confronted that umpire Because it's something I constantly battle with in work From confronting colleagues that undermine my decisions Even though they are right To mature students thinking that they can question my clinical judgment When they've only been training for three weeks And I've been working for four plus years Asking me how I speak good English And have good handwriting Here's to you and to every black woman keeping their call and calling out these people in the workplace when we see injustices against us. Serena is a baby girl. Baby girl. This woman almost died trying to give birth to her beautiful daughter and she's no doubt the best tennis player of all time. But, but. She's so humble, so eloquent, so majestic and just a big inspiration. And these people are just out to get her. And for what? No one can take away from what she has achieved No one Still, she will rise and so will all of us I couldn't fit in everything I wanted to say As this is just the tip of the iceberg P.S. My favourite suck your mum was when you did it in a French accent Which was a reply to Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's interview P.S.S. I'm having, I'm very happy you're healing Kelechi Honestly do not know how many people's lives you actually touch And give courage to uh, Give straws out to people who are moving wild and mad in these streets Love cap Thank you so much Serena Williams is f- phenomenal 
And I remember going, I went through my Twitter and I saw that one of my first tweets, well, one of my, some of my earliest tweets about Serena was like from 2012. And from 2012, I've been saying, I'm going to play Serena Williams when they make the film of her life. God hears me and God knows my heart. God, if anybody wants to take that role from me, it's not possible. Hey, man. But um, yeah, that's just how passionately I feel about her. Like I, I really admire her. She moved mad at some point. Like she said something that sounded like a like a, a rapey apologist thing that I didn't like. Um, but other than that, like she's been smooth. Like I, I think that she's a great, great woman and deserves all of the support. And I feel like people have been waiting to bring Serena down because they're so jealous. They're so jealous of her excellence and her blackness. And I mean, that's really their problem. If they just moisturized their genitalia, they wouldn't be so ashy and maybe they would achieve things in life. Serena's not to blame for your own mediocrity. That you are to blame for that. That is your personal problem. Like, Serena is truly a baby girl. And Cap, two slaps on your chest and two slaps on Serena's chest because she's doing absolute bits. And how many times is one woman meant to bite her tongue? You man keep sending for her, sending for her, sending for her. She can't wear the right thing. She can't do the right thing. Oh, she hasn't won enough awards. Oh, she did it this way. Oh, no, no, she's too muscular. She's too this, she's too that. Like, just say you're jealous and go and sleep. Preferably go and sleep underwater, pricks. And the reason I'm also so passionate about Serena Williams is because there's a trickle down effect. I say that because if the greatest sports person living is being treated in such a way as a black woman, what hope do the rest of us have as black women in our day to day lives? Like this woman is out here winning all of the things and being all of the things, yet she isn't even afforded the respect that she deserves as being such an incredible athlete. So in our day-to-day -day lives, where are we getting that respect? People had been waiting in the sidelines to chat shit about Serena. And I've, I, you know, I experienced something similar, not on the same scale, but something similar, you know, a few weeks ago, where it's just like, you're waiting to find something wrong with everything I'm doing because my existence makes you question whether you're living your life to the fullest. And instead of being honest with yourself, I'm going, boom, you know what? I'm a jobless individual. I'm a jobless mug and I need to do more with my life. You don't want to do that. Instead, you want to be like, ah, I hate her so much. Someone asks you why you hate the person you don't even know. And that's what Serena Williams is going through. And if we consent to Serena Williams being treated that way, that means people can treat us as black women in the maddest ways because we've accepted it for it to happen to her. And I fucking refuse. I refuse because she does not deserve that. And I refuse because I know the impact and the implications that will have for me as a black woman in my day-to-day -day life if that's allowed to continue. That's why I was on BBC Breakfast because I was just like, somebody needs to let you man know that you're moving extremely mad, extremely mad. And one slap will set you right in Jesus' name. So that was that. Um, my next show your magnificence goes out to a literal baby girl, like literally a baby girl. So there's a nine-year-old um, from Australia who was saying bits recently about the way that the um, Aborigines have been treated. Um, and politicians, because they're so ashy and nasty and crusty in Australia, want her kicked out of school because they said that she's not respecting um, the flag, she's not respecting Australia. At nine years old, you want the girl kicked out of school. She's fucking nine years old. Anyway, 
It says here, a nine-year-old girl who stood up for Australia's indigenous people by sitting down during a performance of the country's national anthem has been attacked by politicians. Despite many calling her an inspiration, Harper Nielsen has caused outrage among lawmakers for refusing to stand during a performance of Advanced Australia Fair at her Queensland, um, her Queensland school. The schoolgirl um, said the reason that she isn't singing it or standing is because advanced Australia fair means advanced white Australia. She's nine years old. She's nine years old. And you people at your big, big age cannot grasp this concept. Wow. Um, she says, when it says we are young, it completely ignores the fact that indigenous culture was here for over 50,000 years before colonization. And that is all there is to it. Harper Nielsen, Baby girl, this is a white girl that is nine fucking years old. Nine fucking years old. And she has said all of the things. People, grown ass fucking adults were tweeting about this girl. Going, she's a brat and I would have slapped her. And her parents are abusing her because they're feeding her with their, their political leanings. And this isn't how you raise a child. Yeah, because you, man, are happy to raise racists. That's what you do. You push them out. And you just raise vile human beings. Like, that's what you do. Her parents happen to be like, you know what? We want to raise a child that can impact the world in a positive way. And that is what they're doing. Because this is my issue with all of these fucking national anthems when in the, in, in, in the, in the colonizer states, yeah? They sing these songs as if there was no life before they came. That is erasure. They're literally getting you to sing it as a form of erasing massive histories of other people that is what they're getting you to do mount rushmore you took off the faces of the indigenous people that were on there and you put your own dirty crusty thin-lipped faces for what for fucking what why i think it was like the forefathers or something but you took it off and you put your dusty people on the on. that is so disrespectful um egypt the sphinx and all of those things you went and took off their nose because the nose didn't look like yours like why are you so evil why are you so nasty so rude why and so harper nielsen i just love you so so much you're in australia literally being a baby girl i pray that god covers you and protects you and you carry on doing all of the things that is an ally that is a nine-year-old ally doing what she needs to be doing but you grown people at your big big age you want cookies for saying the most basic things where she's out there thinking and and speaking up and doing the things that she needs to do protest is necessary protest is meant to be inconvenient process and uh, protest is meant to be what it is we're not going to change it and so that is my share your magnificence i stand a white girl that sees her privilege and she's just like nah i'm not with this fuck shit what nine years old nine fucking years old and big big politicians are asking for her to be kicked out of school but you know what you know what? Maybe kick her out of school because I don't see what people are learning in school anyway. We go to school to be indoctrinated, to be workers. No one's taking, sending us to school to be leaders unless you're going to the schools um, that are meant for people of the, you know, more higher echelons of society. But even then, they're just being taught to be slimy pricks. But basically, school is not where you go to learn. You go to memorize. I feel like that's ultimately what it is. So if you want to kick her out of school, fine, because she'll be elsewhere. Her parents seem to be doing a good job of teaching her. So big up her parents. Maybe she doesn't need your dusty, 
disgusting schools. But it just speaks a lot to the fact that politicians aren't about progress. They're about power in this situation. And a nine-year-old girl seems to be taking power away from them and the narrative that they're trying to feed to the masses. And suddenly it's like, yeah, kick her out of school. Yeah, because you know, if she gets to the rest of them kids, you you guys are fucked. So I hope she gets to the rest of the kids and 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 educates them and makes all of the movements. But it's just like you're willing to do that, inflict such violence on an on a nine year old because she's speaking truth to power. Fuck you. But that should have been a so you mad or suck your mum. But we've got worse things. Yeah. Pardon me. So big up, Harper. I love you dearly, and I pray that you are protected because you're literally doing things, and I appreciate that. Um. Moving on then to So You Mad. So You Mad. My So You Mad this week goes um, to Cynthia Erivo talking about the issue with Cynthia Erivo. So if you don't know, Cynthia Erivo is a baby girl. She's an extremely talented actress and her voice is mad. Like she, her singing voice is incredibly, incredibly mad. Like she's so, so, so talented and she can dance like... She was in the color purple and she just killed it. And she used to be in chewing gum. Um, Oh, Cynthia, God bless you, man. God has blessed you. Like, that's why you're so fucking talented. Like, you're literally a walking blessing. Wow. So anyway, she's been doing bits for years. You know, she's been grinding. She's been consistent. She's really out here just doing all of the things. She looks amazing at the Met Gala. Um, And so she, we found out that she's been cast um, in the film was it that's been made about Harriet Tubman's life which is just called Harriet and black Americans African Americans are very very upset about this they're very upset because they say that she's basically stealing their roles and they're so tired of it because she's stealing all of the things so I'll just read it out she um you know spoke out about it and um It says here that the feature film, which is simply titled Harriet, will start production in October and follows Tubman on her 1849 escape from slavery and her mission to free slaves through the Underground Railroad just before the American Civil War. While landing the role should have been a celebratory moment for the British Tony Award winner, it was tainted by a flood of complaints from African-Americans and some black Americans who felt the 31-year-old was inappropriate casting because of her Nigerian-British heritage. Meanwhile, other fans defended the Grammy winner by citing movies like Black Panther, Hotel Rwanda, Last King of Scotland that cast African-Americans to play fictional and non-fictional characters from Africa, yet there was seemingly no backlash at the time of their casting and release dates. Um, She says, um, Cynthia says, I guess there's a bigger conversation to be had about heritage and experience, also about who Harriet really was. Um, That cannot be had on an Instagram post. What I will say is that my journey to this woman has been long and detailed and not one that I've taken lightly. Um... Nothing has been given to me without me first putting in the work. People speak of foreign privilege and truthfully, life would be unbelievably easy if it were applied to me, but that is not my portion. She wrote, I fought for the role of Celie and spilled blood and sweat and tears playing her. Um, the same applies for every role I've earned. This will be no different. She also reassured her followers that she's protective of Harriet's legacy and explained that she posted her statement because she refused to allow people to neglect her the opportunity to celebrate the honour of playing such a large role. You're not going to take that away from my sister, Cynthia. Sister Cynthia. 
you must celebrate and you must enjoy in Jesus' name. Cynthia, Omo, go ahead and go ahead and live your life. Ah, go ahead and do what you're doing. You want to listen to these ashy people for fucking what? Because the example is there. Historically, Black Americans have played so many roles, um, African roles and things like that. Um, and nobody said anything. Like Kerry Washington played um, Idi Amin's wife and Forrest Whitaker played Idi Amin. Like nobody, no one was running up there to come and complain. Like that was fair, right? But then Cynthia comes with all of these acting chops, with all of this vim. She's ready to give this role everything. And it's like, no. Look, everyone went for the audition. And someone might come back and be like, well, would you say this if it was a white person playing there? But she's not a white person. She's not a white person, so you can just stop in your tracks right there and shut the fuck up. Because she went for the audition. Bare people went for an audition. I'm an actress. I fucking know how this works. So many people would have gone up for that role. She was the best person for the role. I am sure that they considered other people of, um, you know, who are actually black Americans. But she was the best person for the role. And that is all there is to it. You can be salty if you want to, but do you not want to see Harriet portrayed well? Do you not want to see Harriet portrayed extremely well? Is that not what you want? Or you just want, you you just want it to just, for, for the sake of things, just to be a black American? Like, I'm not trying to be overly dismissive because I think it's a salient and it's a valid point that we should play what we know. But that's not to say that Cynthia doesn't know. And that's part of the problem. And I think that this conversation would be so much easier to have if there wasn't this evident, extremely apparent resentment that Black Americans or African Americans have for everybody else who's not African American that happens to be Black. In fact, you can't even call yourself Black because they're like, oh, these foreign Blacks, these foreign Blacks. We're in this together. And until you understand that, you will continue to move mad. Who the fuck do you think amplifies your voices when things like police brutality and them things there are happening in your country? Do you think that just because you're American that that's why your news has traveled? No, it's because we see you because you're so hyper visible because of the exceptionalism of being American. We see you and we empathize with you. It's the empathy that's the catalyst for you being seen by the rest of the world because we see you and we amplify your voice. But that's not done the other way. Instead, you turn around and be like, well, why don't y'all start your own movements, huh? Why'd y'all, why'd y'all wait for us to do things? Why we got to save everybody? Why we got to be there for everybody? We can't be there for everyone. No, shut up. Shut up. Fuck off. Because it's tiring. We don't have time for this bullshit. We do not have time to be infighting and doing these fucking diaspora wars for fucking what? There's trauma. There's trauma across the fucking board. There's trauma for everyone, but we have a, a common goal. And that is what? To stay the fuck alive, you bitches. We all need to stay the fuck alive. And we're only going to do that if we start working together properly. If we start mobilizing in a way that's beneficial for all of us across the diaspora. But instead, you want to start these um, hierarchies. Sorry, I sort of fly. Um, you want to start these hierarchies and be like, well, we're black American. So we're above everyone. And we give everyone the black experience. Like we created the black experience and we created this and we created that. And it's just really insulting because if we were to bring out the facts now, if we started listing everything and how it happened, you'd realize that all of these civil rights leaders that you hold up so highly, they had to work with people. They had to work with other black people across the world, around the world, in order for their message to actually be, to have as much gravitas as it does. They had to work with everybody else. It didn't just happen alone. Your black 
experience did not happen in a vacuum. It happened because the rest of us helped to shape it. Duh. So leave Cynthia alone. When, you know, when there are more jobs in the UK, then okay. But there aren't. There aren't jobs in the UK because the UK, the mother that of the racism that you are executing so well in, the, um, in America... She will not let us have our things. So the only option for us is to go across the pond and work hard there. But we're always being reminded that, well, do you have an American accent? Is it sick? Do you have this? Do you have that? Like, we're not coming there and jobs are just being flung at us. Like, people are out here grinding. They're grinding so, so much. Like, give them the fucking respect and just put your anti-blackness because that's what it is as much as you're like oh we're black we're black you're anti-black as fuck when it comes to other people who aren't american that is a problem deal with it it's not for us to be dealing with but i should have an essay an opinion piece out about this um on the independent by the time you're listening to this so if you go and check my well if you listen to them in the morning maybe not but if you go on my page later on monday afternoon um it should probably be there on Monday evening. It should be there about my thoughts on this as a black actress and why I support Cynthia. And I feel that as long as we're being truthful and we're and we're being sensitive and careful with how we depict these roles, then why can't we play? Because we all came from the same fucking place. And yeah, okay, we didn't have this ex- specific experience and that should never, ever be put to one side. We didn't have that specific experience. We can't take out colonization and the atrocities that came with that we can't move that out of it so i want to see receipts if you're going to come at me about oh it was fine for Idi Amin to um, be played by Forrest Whitaker and all of them things there i want to see receipts for how we go about this that's what i want because otherwise everyone should just shush in it so that's my so you mad anyway moving on to straw of the week my straw of the week goes out to um Denka, I think they're called. Denka. Yeah, I think they're called Denka. Denka um, is a power plant in Louisiana, in Reserve, Louisiana. Um, they make um, neoprene, you know, like neoprene material that goes into making like wetsuits and it goes into like making laptop covers and things like that. That is what they manufacture. And um, they make it from a, um, a substance called chloroprene. And Basically, they're giving everybody in Reserve, Louisiana, they're giving them cancer and have been giving them cancer for years and years and years, years and years and years. Environmental racism is real, is what I want to say. Environmental racism, what do I mean by that? Well, areas where there are large groups of the um, marginalized communities um, or those communities that are deemed lesser than, it means that the care that is received in these areas, the things that are done in these areas, look at Flint, Michigan and things like that. The care that's received in these areas are subpar because, you know, it's fine. It can happen there because it's predominantly, I don't know, black people. So that's fine. They don't deserve clean water. They don't deserve um, a fucking power plant that's um, excreting carcinogens into the air. They don't deserve for that to be moved as far fucking away from them as possible. Now, the reason that people, um, these companies, these factories like um, being in Reserve Louisiana and being in that sort of belt is because it's close to the Mississippi River, um, is close to the highway. And so they have access to a lot of things. Um, After slavery, um, that area, Reserve Louisiana, that area was a prosperous black neighborhood. It was um, 
really, it did really, really well. Um, and the reason it did is because there was a sugar mill there. So if you haven't watched Queen Sugar, go and watch it. Um, there was a sugar mill in that area. And so most of the black people that lived um, in that area worked at the sugar mill. They worked at the sh- a factory and also they farmed. So they farmed the sugar cane as well. So there was an economy. There was an economy there that was doing well. Now, when that closed, I think it closed, um, I want to say maybe in the 50s, I could be wrong. But when when it, when it that sugar mill now closed, it meant that there was no more jobs in that area for the black people. And so the power plants arrived and set up shop there because of the proximity to things. It was easy for them to be there. Um, And that's when the cancer started soon after. The cancer came soon after that. And there's a school, there's a school called the Fifth Ward that is right by this power plant, right by it. And the children that go to that school are 400 times, they, they, um, um, they inhale 400 times more of the fumes than the average person that lives in Reserve, Louisiana. You're killing children, like you're killing children. And that really, really bothers me. Like, I remember watching the video about it on Al Jazeera Plus, and I just wanted to cry because I just thought, this is unfair. So many things are unfair, but that's fucked. People that live in Reserve, Louisiana are seven to 800 times um the, the the rate of cancer in Reserve, Louisiana is seven to 800 times more than the rest of the US. What the fuck? This isn't even a big town. So basically, everyone's pretty much got cancer. And people think that this shit should be allowed to run. Like, why is the power plant still there? And so I saw a clip of, you know, the, um, the man who was being interviewed about it. He's 77 years old and he's lost, his name's Robert Taylor. He's lost all of his family to cancer caused by this power plant. And they, he has weekly mis- uh, meetings with this um, woman who's um, a chemist. And they talk about the um, what they're trying to do in terms of um, legal action about what's happening. But because they don't have money, because no lawyers are really, really interested in taking up the case, what can be done? That needs to be a class action. But then class action for what? After you've got the money, what now happens? They can't even go to the cemetery where their family's buried because it's all uh, property of the power plant. And it's not even like chloroprene is being emitted into the air and the results of it, the byproduct, or no, what's made from it, the product that's made from it benefits us as a whole. It's for leisure. Vegans, 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 you man love to scream all of the time, all of the time. I want to know that there are some vegan people who do water sports, who aren't buying um, wetsuits and things like that, that have neoprene in it, or people who are buying laptop covers and iPad covers and things like that. Don't go and buy anything with neoprene in it then, because you're talking about animals and bunnies and and chickens and things like that. But what about actual humans, black humans? But you don't care about black humans because you're always conflating veganism with, or, you know, people, the fact that people eat meat, you're always comparing it to slavery, which lets me know that you're fucked up human beings. But um, it's just, it's just unfair. It's just unfair. And that's why the power plant, Denka, whatever the fuck they want to call themselves, they changed their name recently to Denka. They were called something else. They're the ones that get smashed draw of the week because... You all need to suck your mums. And I hope that your mums have all of that, the fumes that you're emitting into the air. I hope that is present 
when you're sucking her so you too can feel the effects of what you're doing to communities of people by ruining their lives um by doing all of this stuff and i and i just wonder what the mayor what the governor of these states what they're actually doing about this probably nothing because they're getting money they've been given money to turn a blind eye to people being you know having cancer at a mad rate and dying from cancer at a mad rate for what so that just made me extremely sad and I wanted to draw attention to it. The fact that um, environmental racism is a thing and it makes me sick and Denka needs to suck their mum. Yeah. Um, and that's it for this week. So thank you for joining me. I'm going to head over to the extra content and um, for my patrons. If you want to join us on Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash Kalechi Okafor. And um, they'll be the first to know when the um, affirmation cards are released. I'll release... Um, the link slightly earlier to my patrons and we'll be talking about um the other card that was um in the deck at the bottom of the deck the two of cups and we'll also be talking about botham jean um the black man who was killed by a police officer amber gaia um and the fact that the police say they found weed in his home as if that fucking matters so we'll be talking about that in the extra content um thank you for listening to me being a baby girl thank you so much for listening i hope that this episode resonates with you because i know that there were a lot of heavy bits um and i just wish you the best in the new week continue slaying continue moisturizing your genitalia and just flourishing um i've been kalechi okafor this has been sym officially known as say your mind unofficially known as what 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 that's right suck your mom thank you Ibile botanica for sponsoring the podcast and if you want to follow me follow me on at collection of or at say your mind pod and I'll catch you next week, babies. Peace. It's the Ben's Punani woman. It's baby boys, baby girls. You need to hear this. Be sit down, sit down. Receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea. We are going sip it. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. let you find. And she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind. Say you mind.